This is an AMI podcast. This is Double Tap Canada from AMI-audio, the place where blind people talk tech. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Double Tap Canada. It is I, Stephen Scott, back with you again. Sorry if you had a bit of a bump there. As I was saying my usual hello, 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 I whacked the microphone, uh, which is not very professional at all. Um, but hey, you've heard this show before, so you know how it goes. Uh, with me, as always, Sean Priest is here in his shed, as usual. Hello, Sean. Hello, Stephen. My professional shed, I'll have you know. I am a professional. Just because you've got a laptop in it does not make it a professional <laughs> shed. Or and a lawnmower. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And, and that spade that you never use either. <laughs> it's just always stuff you gather in sheds. And paint. Why is there always paint in sheds? I don't even paint. <laughs> anyway, uh, Tim Schwartz is uh, in America uh, for us. Uh, well, not for us. He's chosen to live there, believe it or not. Uh, hello, Tim. <laughs> I'm not even sure if it's a choice anymore at this point. But I'm just here. I, I am in America for, for now. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I am here. I'm doing well. How are you, gentlemen? Hot. Yeah. It's, Poor it's Sean is warm. melting. Yeah. It is so warm today. Well, this, this is the problem of working from home. I realized that, you know, one of the great things when I was in Canada last year, and I've been in the States a few times, air conditioning is everywhere, right? And it's just joy. Yes. Um, and goodness. I could not imagine being in, in some of the warm places I've been without air conditioning. But in this house... Because I live in Scotland, uh, heat is generally not an issue. But um, <laughs> I, uh, I do find in this house there is, uh, and uh, my wife tells me it's because there's a huge amount of hot air expelled, usually about the time this program's recorded, which creates a, a problem. <laughs> yes, I'm talking about from my mouth. Um, so, yeah, that, that could be an issue. But I'm, I, I'm saying that, thinking about getting air conditioning. Sorry, Stephen. No, it's all right. Feel free to talk all over me. I'm used to it. I am going to okay, talk fine. over you because... You do have air conditioning. I remember you bought that portable unit. Oh, it was rubbish. Oh, yeah. Oh, how can it be rubbish? Oh. It was massive, like the size of a fridge. So what you've got to do, right? So this is how it works. Have you got air conditioning at home, Tim? I do, but I do remember you had that unit that the infomercials all say is so fantastic. Oh, no, oh, no, no. You're thinking of, oh, what was it called again? It was like a little box, wasn't it? It was a little box. Yeah. You poured water into it. And then it basically just spat that water at you for the best part of a day. Um, that <laughs> was called a shower. Yeah, that's right. It was like a shower, but not a good one. Uh, no, th- this wasn't that. This was the one I bought was like a proper air conditioning unit. But what you had to do was take this hose from the back of it, quite a thick hose, and you had to sort of put it out the window, which meant you had to leave the window open, which then let in all the hot air. And it seemed completely pointless. All I was doing was really bringing in hot air that the air conditioning unit was then immediately taking back out and leaving the rest. <sighs> um, so the only way to resolve that was to literally drill a massive hole in the wall to put this pipe through. And I, I, I wasn't really keen on opening up my entire house to the world outside. So I thought against it. Well, it's only hot for about 12 hours a year. So we'll, we'll manage. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Anyway, we're not going to talk about heat today. Um, although, as I say, we can all expel plenty of hot air between us. I'd hate to think what it would be like if we were in the same room. The place would be on fire. Uh, but yeah, we're going to talk today about uh, Amasis. <clears throat> I was uh, coughing because I actually don't know how to say it. Amasis? Is that the right? A-M-I-C-I-S? Yes, that is, that's uh, how I yeah, say that it. That is anyway, my understanding. Yes. Amesis, uh, as opposed to voiceover saying Amici's, uh, which ah, yes, Amici's. I, I've, I've eaten there. It's a very good Italian restaurant. But uh, but Amesis. <laughs> well, I is thought I had Amesis once, and I got some ointment for it. Um, <laughs> 
But yeah, anyway, uh, so we're going to talk about this because it's a new social network. We're going to talk about that today. Uh, it's a new social network for us disabled people. Yay! Uh, okay, mm. so we'll get into that. And uh, also we're going to talk about the uh, rumours for the upcoming WWDC. Oh, it's getting close. What new hardware and toys will we see? Probably none. Uh, so yeah, we're going to talk about that. And we've got lots and lots of your comments coming in on email and on uh, voicemail as well. Now, this week I nominate um, Tim to be in charge of the phone number. Uh, I think it's important that that Tim has a go at this because he handles it very well. Sean, you're a bit shoddy at this. Yes. Uh, So Tim is in charge of the phone number. So how how can people contact us by uh, calling Tim? Well, they can call us. Thank goodness I remembered this even after I've been off for weeks. This is, this is really tricky. But uh, the phone number is 1-866-509-4545. And remember, do tell us it's okay to use your message. We've been getting a couple of messages through where you haven't been telling us it's okay to use the message. And, uh, you know, what that means is that we have to cover uh, Tim and Sean next week in custard um, on, a, nice. on a daily basis. Uh, until mm-hmm. you, you fix that. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> I actually, I'm quite keen on this idea as long as cake is involved and preferably the custard at a reasonable temperature as well. Um, <laughs> moving on. Uh, so, yes, yeah. so email, Sean, <laughs> how did they get in touch by email? The email is feedback at ami.ca. I was thinking how short that email address is. Um, I know, I was sure I got it wrong then, but no, that is right. <laughs> feedback at ami.ca. Right, so let's talk about Amasis then. This is a new social network that's been designed for, apparently, disabled people. I'm not entirely sure what that means, uh, but we're going to find out a bit about it now. So uh, let's play this in and see if we can uh, get a sense of what Amasis is actually all about. Hello, my name is Christian de Oliveira. I am the CEO and founder at Amasis. Amasis is a social media platform for people with disabilities. Amasis allows for you to connect with people who have your disability as well as general disability. Say for example, you have glaucoma, right? And you wanna connect with people with glaucoma, but then you're also totally blind and you want to connect with people who have any type of blindness. You can join the general blindness circle. We call circles groups. So you can connect with the circle of general blindness and ask a more general question, such as a braille question, etc. And that way you can leave disability specific questions to the disability that you have in the circle. This allows for everybody to share information or ask information or ask about something that they feel and feel confident that they're going to get replies from people who either have the disability or are doctors who study this disability. Say you become good friends with somebody in a circle, right? You answer the question and they want to keep in touch with you. You can add them as friends or vice versa, and you can stay in contact in the friends feed and you can see what they post and they can see what you post. Essentially what we're doing is we're aiming to combine the friendliness atmosphere such as Facebook and Instagram, and the question and answer sort of forum style from Reddit. We know that forums tend to have very judgy and very negative environment because it's way too open. Anybody can ask anything, anybody can answer anything, anybody can do whatever they want because it's an open forum. With Amesis, 
we want to monitor these circles and make sure that the environment stays positive and supportive so that people feel so that people continue to feel that they can ask questions in this platform. What we have with Amesis is we have ads. However, we don't want to bombard you with ads. Every 10 or so posts will have an ad. Currently, it's from Google Ads. However, in the future, once we have a good amount of income from Amesis, we're going to hire an advertising team so that they can find companies who want to advertise on Amesis that are specific to certain disabilities. Now, that is not our only way of monetization. We also have in-app purchases, subscriptions as well. So we have a subscription for you to remove ads. The price for this is currently not final. So we will revert to that once we launch. Future plans, we plan to eventually, we want to have a way for us to make people who have disabilities connect in a more deeper level. We want to have a dating part of Amesis so that people who have the same disabilities or general disabilities can connect. You can choose to connect with people who have either your same disability or general disability. You can essentially set constraints on who you want to find. That's why I made Amesis. I have questions about my disability and I want to ask. I want to, I want to know more. Even reading a, a, a feed of people who have my disability and staying in touch with them and seeing how they're doing with the disability, that gives me a peace of mind. So there you go. That is Amesis, uh, as uh, described to us by the founder. Um, so a social network for disabled people. Tim, let me come to you first on this. What's your thoughts on such an idea? Oh, I was so hoping you were going to Sean first. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) well, you know what? I have mixed emotions about this because part of me immediately feels like, hey, this is a great thing. This is, this is nice. It's a, a, a good way to have a forum or a discussion group in a way uh, that social media like. And you will be able to, as he says there, find people that have a similar or the same disability, ask questions, and you know, really be part of a community where you can maybe get information and, and talk to other people. But then there's another part of me going, but... I have a lot of Facebook groups that I've joined that do the same thing. And I've created Twitter lists and there's discussion groups and discord groups and other forums that already do this, that aren't necessarily social media specific as to what he's talking about, but I still get the same information. So I don't know if this is something new and innovative or if this is just trying to reinvent the wheel of something we already have. And I have heard some people online talking about this and they brought up something interesting, which was they felt like this further segregates people that are disabled from the general population that we're always wanting to be in the mainstream. We don't necessarily want to be, it's tricky. We want to be treated properly for the disabled, the disability that we have and respected for it and understood, you know, and have people not be ignorant about our disability. At the same time, Mm -hmm. we want to be included in the mainstream and not be treated differently. And so it's a, it's a fine line to walk sometimes when you're someone with a disability, you know, and how you would want to be treated. And some people have voiced an opinion saying, 
this just kind of separates us because it it doesn't do anything to educate anyone else. It might be helpful to us, but but it just keeps us completely separate from you know the mainstream. So I, I can understand that point, but I, so I don't know. I, I am kind of torn on how I feel about this. And on one hand, like I said, I think it it could be a really good useful tool, but in the other hand. I could see where it's like, but I already have a lot of this. I have a lot of other outlets for this type of information. Yeah. It's really hard not to repeat what you said, but I think you covered so much there. And uh, I agree with everything you said. There is one point, I suppose, you know, if this had been um, thought about, let's say, I don't know, 10 years ago, Maybe there's a, a better reason for it. You know, the, like you said, we've got groups on Facebook. We've got groups everywhere. Any social platform now, you can have groups or, you know, talk with like-minded people or people in the same situation as yourself. If you choose to, you don't have to. So tying yourself down to with with a platform like this, which is just specifically focused on a certain demographic is that a good thing or a bad thing to be honest i don't think it really matters i think it's great that there's that resource there particularly for someone who's just um you know been diagnosed with a disability or just has a disability recently and they need somewhere to go that's always a, a nice place to start um you can uh, well i definitely hope so that this is going to be very accessible uh, in various ways you know because of the nature of the uh, of the social platform whereas you know with something like facebook or twitter you maybe the accessibility can go up and down so uh, i don't know 50-50 on this one i can see i i don't see a problem with it being there i don't i don't buy the segregation uh, at all Maybe, like I said, 10 years ago, there could be a point for that. But we are quite capable of using other social media platforms. We're not, you know, made to feel like we're not welcome there. At least I don't think so. So, yeah, I think it's just one we'll have to see how it pans out. Yeah, I, I hear you both and I, I couldn't disagree with you both more because you're both talking nonsense. It is going to be amazing. I cannot wait to sign <laughs> up. Um, and here's my reasoning. Because I actually think uh, I I think it's interesting. You talked about the Facebook groups, Tim, and you talked about the Twitter lists and all those things. And those tend to be segregation ing. That's not a word, but segregationist is that a word? It is I now. have no idea. Yeah, they, they keep everyone apart. Uh, <laughs> but ultimately, they do that anyway, don't they? Because a lot of these that's groups the are private. You would join them. Yeah, exactly. That's right. You've kind of created your own bubble, if you like, and and you kind of meet your friends and you talk to people in that bubble. Uh, I think what's good about this. Is it is an extension of that for sure, and it is almost. It does feel a little bit like you know, for people who haven't quite figured out what Facebook is yet, try this, um, and yeah. maybe it'll be more accessible on Facebook. That's the point. Maybe more people will be able to use it, and I take your point on that, Sean. But I think when it comes to the the, uh, it's interesting because you talk a lot there about Tim about the, you know, we want to be part of society, but we also you know want to have that discussion about disability. I think this is where this goes. I think it doesn't lean towards the wider public. This leans towards those conversations that we have. You know, the conversations that as blind people we have a, a chat about something that happened. Like today, for example, I was uh, I got my uh, tassimo machine up here in the office because I'm so lazy now I can't even bother to go downstairs. So I brought it upstairs. And I've got my Tassimo coffee machine over here, and I got my little pod, and I put it in, and I put the cup underneath, and uh, gone away, came back, and uh, the cup, uh, the, the coffee had finished making, and the cup was empty. 
And um, I knew something horrible was just about to happen. And uh, yes, I did find that the drip tray was full of coffee and the cup had nothing in it. And those kind of things happen to us as blind people. And if you say that to a sighted person with the best, you know, some, you know, the best you'll get is, um, oh, that's a shame. You know, the worst you'll get is, oh, that's a shame. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Those kind of things happen, right? And and we will laugh them off because it's part of our lives. It's who we are. It's what we've now become, right, as people either through the course of existence or, you know, from birth. And I think people need a place to talk about those things, that, that real conversation that goes on. You know, the the public space is challenging at the moment. And And I'll give you a good example of this. I think a lot about the I've been thinking a lot about the Black Lives Matter movement and what's been going on in America and around the world as well and I hear so many stories from people who talk about uh, their experiences of being discriminated against and the types of discrimination that go on it's not overt it's oftentimes quite um quite subtle yeah. uh, one man talked about being he was a, he's a professor at a university here in Scotland and he'd gone to uh, a conference and he'd walked up to I guess a reception area or something and, and the person said to him uh, what are you here for? And he said I'm here for the, the talk. Oh when are you on? At two o'clock. Oh well you can't be on at two o'clock because there's a professor on as if <laughs> yes, he could possibly be, be. Yeah it can't <laughs> be you yeah. and it's, I mean it's that kind of, of experience people have and although our experiences as blind people are very different there are a lot of overlaps there are a lot of overlaps. Things that have happened to me, I've, I've told you both the story, and I'm sure I've mentioned it on air, of me getting into a taxi and being told, or, you know, um, I was talking about um, politics uh, in the car because I was so bored of the guy asking me how much I could see and could I, you know, tell how many fingers <laughs> I was holding shave? up. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and so it got to that point, and I just thought, I'm going to switch this conversation to something else, and I did. And he said to me at the end of the conversation, wow, you seem quite intelligent. Did you go to school? And it just seemed that the that the ex expectation was so low there. And I think I'm not in any way comparing what might be called ableism to racism. They're very different. Racism is born out of hate. Ableism is born out of pity. I don't really want either in my life, to be honest. So I, yeah. I you know, I, but I can empathize to a certain degree. The problem is it's very hard to have that conversation in a public space. Because immediately the conversation gets brought back to, well, you can't compare and you can't say this. Whereas if you're in a disabled group of people who understand where you're going with the conversation, then I think that could be really positive because it allows you to have that conversation without the bigger, wider issues coming into it. Sometimes you just want to talk about the issues relevant to you. And to bring it back to technology for a second... You know, let's think about a technology problem we have. I call you, Tim, or I'll call you, Sean, and I'll ask you for help. And, you know, if there's a sighted person in the room who starts chipping in with things like, oh, click this button or click that, I'm just, yeah, whatever, I'm not interested in that. You know, because you're not. It doesn't, it's yep. not going to help me. So having that uh, group of people I can go to, that, that group of friends, which is ultimately how we all met, right? If you think about it, going back to Zello, which is where we uh, all pretty much began. I mean, I certainly, I met you, Sean, through Zello, and then we, uh, and then yep. Tim, you came through, and what was it? There was another one, Voreal, that was the one, Voreal. Yeah, you, I met you. Sean through Voreal, yeah. and he brought me to you. And, and yeah. that's how we, and we met I'm through sorry. those, yeah, we met through those <laughs> paths. So in a way, although we're not decrying this app, because we haven't even tried it yet, and, and it could be brilliant, it could be terrible, who knows? But 
the point is that it, we we met through those kind of channels. So I think it, it kind of proves its point that this clearly has got value. Well, yeah, it's all about perspective. When this story kind of broke a few days ago, and I actually, of all places, I heard about it first on Vorail, uh, which in a way is, as people know, is kind of the blind version of this in audio. So, I mean, it's very blind specific because blind people took it over because as we've talked about in the past, it's audio. And so that's perfect. Well, that's right. And, and just to be clear, blind. that wasn't, I, that didn't, as you say, it didn't start off as a blind app as such. I mean, it, that wasn't it, their intent. No, no, it became that. Right, exactly. And and it's a perfect platform for that. And so when I heard about this, I was talking to my wife about it. And I'm like, you know, there are people on Varel saying this and saying that, you know, things I just mentioned a moment ago about the, you know, how they felt that maybe it was keeping them separate. And, you know, was there really a need for this? when We had so many other things. And my wife threw something at me that I always say that the three of us say quite a bit. She's And she was talking about perspective, like you were just saying, Stephen. But then she said, but Tim, isn't this also just yet another tool in that toolkit you guys are always talking about, about knowing apps or being familiar with JAWS and NVDA and Narrator. She's like, this should be something good, right? Because it's just another outlet. You can use a Facebook group or a Twitter list or Vorail or whatever, you know, message boards, mailing lists. You know, there are still a lot of mailing lists out there for different things. Uh, TheMighty.com is a very popular disability website where they've got many different uh, disabilities represented in questions and blogs and things. So this is just yet one more in that list of tools that we could use if we so choose to use it. And I'm like, okay, you got me. You know that, that She's right. Thanks for throwing my own words back at me because I'm always <laughs> saying, oh, this is great because even if we don't use it, someone else might because it's a tool that works for them. And what's wrong with having you know, more tools in that toolkit. There's never going to be too many tools that we can have at our disposal. And this being multiple disabled or multiple disability centric, there really isn't anything wrong with it, you know, in that, in that perspective. I mean, you can argue, you could have the argument and I could almost see a, a sighted person or a, a person who's non-disabled actually coming out with that argument, saying, well, you know, this is actually it's, it's segregation of people. And I, I can hear that argument from a lot of people. You get Because I tend to find the people who stand up for me the most are the people who have absolutely no idea what disability is <laughs> to them. You know, yeah. but the, the ones who shout the loudest sometimes on my behalf, which I can, I can fight for myself, thanks. So I'm all right. But, you know, obviously other people can't, and I get that. But it's, it's interesting. I think this is good. I think the dating aspect is something which has really been called on from a lot of people. Uh, you know, a, a lot of people out there who are disabled want to meet other disabled people. That's an, and that's another interesting discussion to have, you know, whether or not it's, you know, a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, you know, the three of us here, uh, two of us have partners who are visually impaired and one doesn't. And that doesn't really tell you anything. It just that's, you know, because that's who you fell in love with at the end of the day. It's not about whether or not they, you know, can you see? Can you drive? I'll, I'll have you. It's not like that. You know, it doesn't well. work like that. You know, I mean, it'd be nice, but it doesn't go that way. Um, my wife will say to me sometimes, I wish you could drive. And I'm like, so do I. Uh, but, yes. you know, it's just the way it goes. But I think this could be a really useful thing. So we'll, we'll watch with interest to see how it goes. It, I'm assuming this is multi-platform, this app. It is going to be across Android, Apple. Uh, yeah, it's platforms. Android iOS smartphone app, and also they're working on a, a website-based app as well for Windows. And I'm assuming that will be on Mac as well. So yeah, it should be everywhere, and it's coming mid to late July, according to the website. 
Watch with interest. Okay, listen, you mentioned narrator, Tim. I've got to bring up a, a quick point about narrator uh, because mm-hmm. I, I, I've been, uh, I, I'm fawning over it at the moment. <sighs> been uh, driving me crazy today, Tim. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, he hasn't uh, left me alone. Oh, uh-huh. So good, so good. Right, so here's the thing, right? I put narrator on for the past couple of weeks because on the other show I do, on that other place, I was, um, I was tasked with the job of using narrator instead of Jaws for a couple of weeks. And I thought, okay, I'll do it. Here's the thing. Normally, and you know what I'm like, guys, I'll do it for a couple of days, get really annoyed, start shouting the odds down WhatsApp at both of you, and then go back to where I was. <laughs> yes. But yes. actually, here's the thing. Day four, day five, day six, I've kind of forgotten that I'm using narrator, and I haven't switched yours back on yet, apart from one thing, one thing, and that's Google Docs, which I just haven't figured out yet how to get narrator to play with it, but I'm I'm on edge at the moment. Not, I'm not. No, it's not. I don't mean a mental state. I mean the browser, um, and it's, I can't get it to work with that. So maybe Google Chrome works better with it. I guess it probably will. But I just haven't quite mastered that yet. But I think that's just a, a fault on my part. So far, everything I'm using. I'm asking myself the question, what do I need JAWS for? And I know I'm going to upset a lot of people by saying that. Um, and I'm not saying it's a replacement for JAWS because it is not. But if you're just browsing the web, if you're just using Windows to write emails, if you're just doing the basics, I cannot see a reason why you want to spend the money on JAWS. And even more so, Tim, because this week I got Eloquence on. So Eloquence, the voice, is, is my voice, voice on the rater. Yeah, oh, I'm so excited. Why? Why does everyone love eloquence? It's awful. Yes, you can be rapid with it, but so you can be that with other TTS as well. No, you can't. You kind of answered your own question because it is an awful sounding voice, except yes. except at highest or higher speeds, it's the most accurate and the most easy to understand. A lot of those other, you know, vocalizer and, you know, real sounding voices are fantastic and I love them. However, when you start to really get them sped up to the speeds that you could use eloquence at, they do start to falter a little bit and and aren't as clear and crisp. Uh, Usually what I will do is have, I did this a lot with, um, with NVDA, you know, have a different profile. So if I'm just Mm. reading an article, I can hit a a shortcut on my keyboard to switch it to one of those kind of vocalizer voices. But then if I just want to navigate and get through things quickly, you know, for the basic use of the computer, I'll use eloquence because it just flows a lot easier and I can get through things faster, but for pleasurable, just reading something, Thing, I, I can use something more, more you know, lifelike or re, you know, regular. But no, I, I agree with you, Stephen. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. That it's nice now it, that you can say narrator is to a point where I can sit down in any computer with you know Windows, you know, any Windows based computer. I mean, and hit that shortcut and just use it. I don't have to worry about trying to download something or have a you know have it on a, a stick or any you know any kind of drive thumb drive or anything. I can just use it and and go and do what I need to do. And it's getting to the point now where, like you said, for ninety five ninety eight percent of the things that you're going to do. It's just fine. It really is. If you're, I still say that if you're in a in a in an office setting where you're doing a lot more advanced, you know, in many different platforms or applications that you need to to do yes. things with, Jaws is going to beat out Narrator every single time, uh, and, and the abilities that it has and, and all that kind of thing. That's where you're going to really really want Jaws. But on an everyday but the basis, differences. yeah, yeah. 
But the difference is now, I mean, I think maybe a couple of years back, we wouldn't have even recommended it. We didn't recommend it no, as no. a screen reader at all. Absolutely We'd be like, not. No, don't go near it. Now it is at a point, and I think the key thing here, the key thing I've learned is getting that customization right. So getting the voice that works for you, getting the, the pitch right, getting the speed right, getting those things in place first, because I think a lot of people maybe to try out Narrator, because you're using those Microsoft built-in voices, they can seem a bit, they're not great. They're not great voices in there. And getting some, get, I mean, getting eloquence in there is good. You've got to pay for eloquence. It's what, 59 euros it was costing from Code Factory? So yeah. I don't know what that equates to in Canadian money, but it's, um, you know, I don't know, because who, who knows what, I don't know what a euro is, right? I don't care. But, you know, <laughs> it's I believe it's money. Of, yeah. I, I think exactly. it's like $50 it's in the US, so, you know, right. give or take that in Canada, yeah. It's kind of roughly that, isn't it? Yeah. So it's, it's probably going to be around that for just for the voice. But bear in mind that you've got the voice and the screen reader's free. And I think I'm going to stop referring to narrator as the free screen reader. I think that's my because we never we never talk about a voiceover as the free screen reader you get with an iPhone. Um, I'm going to stop talking about it in that sense because free just gives you that impression, I think, of being nasty and terrible. And it's not. I don't think it is anymore. So, um, yeah, I'm quite impressed. So, yes, yeah, stick it with your NVDA, Sean. Oh, you can't beat NVDA. That's still the best one out there. By the way, 59 euros is 89 Canadian dollars. Oh, there you go. There you go. Um, Look, let me just say, how much time have we got left, Stephen? Are we? Uh... You're way over time, but carry okay, on. so I won't say anything. But you say it's not a replacement for Jules. Why not? You're using it absolutely fine. Why are we so scared about saying, you know what, this is a replacement for Jules? No, it's not a replacement for Jules because the thing is that if you, as Tim said, there are certain applications which you're not using, right? But if you're using certain applications. And I don't know what the, necessarily those are, but in certain industries and in certain jobs and certain uh, places you're uh, working in, there may be certain applications you use that are specific to that company that you need to be able to script for. And I know that's something that's coming to Narrator. Scripting is a, is a thing you can do and will be able to do in the future. But, you know, bearing in mind that there is an industry already in place for JAWS and Vespero, the, the company that owns it. Uh, to to create those scripts and make those available, uh, that pipeline isn't quite in operation yet for Narrator. So I think the people who have been in touch with me before who say, stop talking about Narrator as if it's brilliant, is because they fear that an, an employer hears this and says, oh, well, you know, th those guys were talking about Narrator. It's free. You don't need that thing anymore, that JAWS thing. Get rid of it. And suddenly someone's left with an inability to use that application that they've only been able to use because of JAWS and additional scripting. So there's that issue there. Um, and there, I guess there are a lot of applications that it does work better with. There's lots more customization you, you can say do. the same so, thing for yeah. any screen reader. It works better on one than the other ones. So well, yeah, it's a bit more complicated. Scripting does make a difference. Yeah. Well, it makes yes. a huge difference. So well, uh, most, of the, yeah, most of the applications I used when I worked in my former job with the government I could have never used them at all with, especially not with Narrator, but even with NVDA, the scripting for JAWS yeah. made it possible to do my daily job. Right, look, we're way over time for the first segment, but let me uh, let me come back because I want to, uh, I'm going to shock Tim. We haven't had a chance to talk about this, Tim, so I've got a story uh -oh. up next that is going to shock you to your core. Stay there. And now we're back with the Double Tap Canada team for more news on the latest tech from an accessibility point of view. Join in the fun with Double Tap by emailing your comments to feedback at ami.ca or on Twitter at Double Tap Canada. 
Well, you know, we're going to be talking about WWDC here on the show uh, quite soon, but I do have a story which is going to absolutely stun and possibly silence our own Tim Schwartz, as impossible as that sounds. But, uh, I, <laughs> Bring I it spotted on. a story. Yeah, well, I spotted this story last night, and I was going to share it in our group, and then I thought, no, I'm not going to tell him in advance. <laughs> I'm going to just tell him. You've probably read it already, in fairness, but I... I'm intrigued to know what you think. Bose have cancelled their AR augmented reality plans for future development on the Bose AR frames. And not only that, uh, as of mid-July, we'll be cancelling and removing all of the apps and disassociating with all of the apps that have been already created for it. So there'll be no functionality at all going forward, which I've got to say, I think spells the end of the Bose AR frames. Ooh, anything to say to that, Tim? I was shocked. It. I was, it, did, it, did, it did strike me because I was really looking forward to version two. I thought surely that's due to come out at some point, but they have completely pulled back from it. And actually, I should just add as well that not only that, they are closing a number of their stores as well. I think Bose are having hard times and um, they're, they're facing some difficulties. So uh, a lot of people have been let go from the company, namely in that AR division. And uh, also, uh, you know, I'm very sad to hear anyone lose their job, frankly. Um, of course. And, and the same goes for the, the retail stores as well, which will be closing. But um, not all of them, but a fair chunk of them. Uh, but yeah, it is, it is sad news. But it does seem like it's the end of the road for this particular for this particular product, anyway, Tim. Yeah, it seems like it is, and yeah, I, I did see that, and I'm devastated, as you can imagine. Uh, I'm just, it, it hurts. It, it's just like a stab in the heart. It's just awful. Um, How about but- two pairs of them? <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a tenner for them. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but but it is one of those unfortunate, you know, horrible side effects of this, you know, pandemic nightmare that we've all been living through, uh, and, and it seems to be hitting your higher end types of services and products especially you know when it comes to something like bose and uh yeah i know that there's some bose outlet stores and things uh, around here where i live in the region where i live and it seems like a lot of those are are going to be closing and you know like you said they're discontinuing a lot of the different things that they do and this uh, this is something that's only been around for a year and a half it was kind of a new technology for them you know different type of thing for them to try and it's a shame because if the pandemic didn't happen, would this still have been the case? Would they still yes. be putting money into it and developing it? No. Probably would have, I would I would think. Um, but unfortunately, maybe it just wasn't as popular as they had hoped. Maybe it's just too expensive, especially after the pandemic. And it's a shame because I know, Stephen, you haven't had a chance to try as many of the different AR apps and games and things that they had to offer with, with their partnerships. But I've tried so many different ones, and it's such a different experience. And even... Even if they didn't make it any further, didn't develop it any further, it was still an interesting attempt or experiment to try these games and to try these, you know, navigation apps and, and, and different things that they had because it was, it was just really cool to see the technology and what it could do in an audio way with AR. And unfortunately, you know, with them going, you know, this route with it, it's a shame. Maybe they'll come back to it later, but I'm hoping that other companies will have seen this and say, you know what? AR can be used in this way. Let's implement this and, and maybe in the future we'll get something, you know, better that's, that's similar or, or whatever. But yeah, I'm, I'm not very happy about this. Well, I mean, I, I think it's fair to say that the reasoning behind this is, is 
exactly as you've said, it, it's related to the pandemic. It's, it's clearly uh, a product which they, they need to focus in on what they're doing and, and you know, focus their business model appropriately. All, all, a lot of these pet projects they do will have to go by the way. However, um, I think also we probably have to realize that AR audio has to come with AR video in some form, and that's what Apple are probably going to do. So I think if it gets to that stage, um, you know, and, and Bose may well know that. I don't think that's a factor in this, but I think for us it will be a factor going forward that for it to be successful, it has to be coupled with the visuals as well in some form. So that will be interesting. Um, but, yeah, I am sad to hear the news. I, I will say one thing, although I don't use the AR very often, I do think that the, the, the specs are actually brilliant to use as, you know, speakers. They've got a great microphone in them. Oh, yeah. I love using them with voiceover. So they'll be with me for a long time, even though this is not going to be, I guess, renewed. Can I oh, just yeah. ask, I, I haven't, read this story so does this definitely mean that the bose frames are going to stop being produced there's no certainty on that one they, that has not been said however you would assume that the the well, the, the idea of these are that they would include br ar so um sorry, sunglasses with built-in headphones of a quality that are bose you know audio quality like that and with a gyroscope sensor in there um I mean, those could still be very useful. I mean, Soundscape, I think it's Soundscape. Is, has yeah, got that's that. right, yeah. yeah so so that that, be... that, but, that, but that would go with it. See, this is the problem. That's one of the apps that will be decoupled from But there this. is a difference between that and AR. You know, the augmented reality apps and games that they showcase to go with it, they, they had nothing other than gimmicks, really. They sounded great, but it was the whole use case which was needed. And that's what Soundscape gave. And there was even talk ages ago about Ira using them now i don't know if that ever came about and it looks like if it hasn't then it won't do but i think there is a a market for glasses like these maybe not with the development and the focus on ar games and ar entertainment not for now but let's let's not get into this too deeply because one thing i i think we could talk about in the future is whether or not as a result of this announcement this could mean that you know the whole question mark over the, the future of wearable tech and, and the form of glasses is actually going to work. I mean, we've seen Google Glass fall by the wayside. We've now seen this falling by the wayside. So is this something people actually want? Is that the problem? Or just, we just don't have a product yet that people are willing to put their hand in their pocket and buy, mm. uh, you know, spend Maybe. their money on. I, I don't know. I mean, but let's not have that conversation now because we, we, we're going to end up running out of time as we always do. We only get an hour. Come on, EMI, give us more time. Come on. <laughs> Whoever's on next could wait. I mean, it could wait till next week. Um, right, okay, sorry. That. I've just, sorry, I've just said word in my ear, that's not going to happen. So let's carry on. Uh, right, let's talk about WWDC because uh, as we, uh, when we got this week, uh, this will be uh, just before uh, WWDC, which is very exciting. Or is it going to be? Apparently, we're going to see some new hardware, or at least we won't see anything uh, that will be available anytime soon, but we might get some concept designs. No mention of uh, AR glasses or anything else, I don't think, at this event. Although you never know with Apple. We don't know anything. One more but, thing. Um, yeah, who knows? But maybe <laughs> we might see a new iMac, a new uh, style. And then that will be a new uh, chinless Mac. <gasps> uh, this is when, once I get my uh, fitness regime sorted out, I'll be chinless as well. Um, <laughs> I'll go with the a, a new iMac. But yeah, this, this one's going to lose its chin. It's going to be all screen, apparently. And uh, that may not ship right away, maybe near a September, October time, but they might showcase it at this event. And also, 
Uh, there's talk of a new style of MacBook, which everyone's very excited about. Uh, that's all you can read online about uh, ARM processors, which are uh, basically means that Apple are bringing their um, processing department in-house. So instead of using Intel, they'll create their own processors called ARM processors, which will essentially be very similar to the processors used in the iPads and the iPhones, which will create an interesting MacBook experience. And I don't know where you two stand on this, but... You know, the Surface Pro X was the first ARM laptop that made its debut. It was actually a tablet, but it had a separate keyboard attached. So a bit like the iPad, uh, but it was running Windows, obviously. And, um, yeah, the first reviews were not good on it at all. Performance was poor, couldn't run 32-bit apps. If it did, it was pretty awful at it. Um, There's a lot of suggestion that Apple will do it much better. (laughs) Who'd have thought? That's the Uh, assumption. But it's a bit of an assumption, but you know the idea will be that this will not be the most powerful Mac that you can have, but for everyday use, this will be good. So, uh, yeah, I mean, what what have you guys been hearing? I mean, I'm, I'm hearing all these rumours. Well, I understand that people are excited by the potential new form factors that ARM chips can give you. You know, they're a very small, very energy-efficient chip, meaning that you can get smaller, sleeker designs. Fantastic! But this is terrible. Well, I... <laughs> Let me rephrase that. This go. has the potential to be terrible. Oh, boy. No, no, bear with me. Let me tell you why. So the apps that you're running right now, the apps and software you're running on your desktop or your laptop computer are designed to run on Intel chips, right? So to run those on a totally different architecture, the ARM processor, they need to run in emulation mode. And when you run anything in emulation mode, so the software thinks that the ARM chip is actually an Intel chip, there is a massive performance hit. Well, maybe not massive, but a big performance hit. So if you've recently bought a brand spanking new MacBook with an Intel processor, and the next Mac OS that comes out is designed for the ARM architecture, then potentially there's going to be a massive performance hit and it's going to feel sluggish to use. Now, of course, maybe Apple have sorted this out and you won't notice any difference. But we've seen this before from Apple when they had the PowerPC computers. So back then it was the reverse. They were running the ARM processors and then they moved to Intel processors. And anyone with a PowerPC had to make the decision, do I stick with my old Mac operating system, which is designed for the ARM processor and runs lovely, or do I install the new Mac operating system with all the latest bells and whistles, but with terrible performance? Or do I need to buy a new Intel-based Mac? And again, Apple may have sorted this problem out and this won't be an issue, but I don't know. I'm not convinced by this. Not yet. I'm just hopeful that because they've been using the Intel chips for so long, I'm hoping that at at this point that they're in streamlining it and going in-house that they're going to get it right. I'm hoping. I, I, I have the fears that you're talking about, Sean. I, 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 I understand where you're coming from. Windows RT, that's all I'll say. Yeah, it's terrible. Exactly. But that, that being said, it, it, it's been a long time coming. It's not shocking that they would do this and go in-house with this and try to streamline it and bring it in line with everything else they've got. So I don't know. We'll, we shall see. Um, but yeah, there, there are going to be supposedly some, some hardware things. I don't know if we're going to see a one more thing. I don't even know if we'll hear. See, this is a trick with with WWDC, especially this year, because there's so many rumors around iOS and watchOS, 
But then some of the watchOS rumors almost require a new watch. And I don't know that they're going to announce the new watch at this event necessarily, because I have heard that there might be uh, oxygen uh, saturation level sensors put in the newest version of the watch. That would require you know, obviously a new sensor. So if they were to say, well, now with the Apple watch, you can you know, track this, that, and whatever, you know, sleep tracking and oxygen saturation tracking that would require a new watch. So, so I don't, I just don't know where that's going to stand, but uh, I am very, very interested to see all the iOS 14 things that uh, have been rumored to see if any of those come to fruition. I think what we like about a WWDC, I certainly like it, is you know knowing what the software will be, you know knowing what's on iOS fourteen, what's coming out of macOS, uh, what they're going to do eventually with uh, Apple TV OS as well. I guess iPad OS now, Watch OS. I mean, there's so many now, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what comes out from those. I am intrigued by this MacBook. I'm not hearing the story you're hearing. I know what you're talking about regarding this processor emulation, and I'm going to shock you guys. I'm not an expert in uh, processors <gasps> and how they work. I know you're stunned, <laughs> but my understanding of it, and it is very basic, is that it will not be doing the same as, for example, the Microsoft Surface Pro X, where it emulates in that way. It will not do that. It will work off uh, almost in the same way that they've created apps for the iPad, those Catalyst apps will operate in, in you know, perfect, essentially perfectly on a MacBook using an ARM processor. They will have to do something, I guess, for those legacy apps. I also That's wonder the if point. there will be... But, but I'm also thinking that you're saying all these apps that we have are not going to run. I'm thinking of what I'm running just now. I'm running Zoom so we can all chat. I'm running a browser so I can get Google Docs. Um, I've got my mail open. I've got my messages app open on my Mac. I mean, it really, is, what else am I going to have open that, you know, what am I using? I'm not saying that people aren't going to use other apps, of course, but this, these machines are not designed for movie making or for, you know, they're, they're essentially, let's be frank about it, Chromebook uh, equivalents. They are similar to Chromebooks, but with, with more functionality to them. That's the market they're going after here. The education market is saturated with Chromebooks at the moment and cheaper Windows PCs. They need to get into that market again. Uh, I mean, we all remember the eMac, um, which came out before my time. Well, I remember the eMac well. I liked the eMac. It was nice. It was like a it was like a kind of more serious version of the iMac, or the old bubble iMacs that were around at the time. And then the eMac came out, which was the education Mac. And um, we used those, and they were quite cool. Um, but yeah, I think this is going to be more focused education. And I think for most people who just browse the web, who just check their emails, maybe write some documents, I guess students who are doing a lot of English majors or whatever, um, then that might be the kind of product they would want. So, then use um, your tablet. You have no need for a desktop computer. Well, they, but, but, yeah, exactly. That's true. But then I think what we're starting to see is where I thought we'd be actually by now, but we're not, is where iPad and macOS meet. There's a point coming where one's going to disappear. And it's going to be, yeah. I think, probably the iPad that will become the Mac pad or something. You know, that's there. I'm putting my prediction out. Mac pad. Well done. Um, but that's don't steal that apple because I, I like that one. And uh, I, not that I can do anything with it, but there you go. Anyway, um, interesting thoughts. We shall uh, report on all of it next week. Of course, I think it's time to get into some of your voicemails. Uh, you've been getting in touch in your droves as always. Thank you for doing that. You continue. You can continue to do that by calling the number that uh, Tim Schwartz is ch in charge of this week. Yes, I am, and that phone number is one eight six six five zero nine four five four five. Uh, and Sean's in charge of the email address because uh, it's easier. 
Thank you. Feedback at ami.ca. <laughs> uh, remember, if you're leaving us a voicemail, tell us it's okay to use your voicemail on air. And that means we can play it here, or those two get covered in custard uh, every day next week. Right, uh, let's get our first voicemail. Hi, everybody. My name is Randy, and I'm calling in for the first time. I'm a longtime listener of the show. This is in regards to the last episode talking about key to access. This is a really great idea. I live in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where we have a lot of the traditional talking signals, and I think it's really great. The one thing that I have concern about, though, is not everybody that is blind, vision impaired, what have you, has a smartphone. And I don't want to leave out part of the population, you know, our aging population, if they have vision loss either. Uh, And I get the whole thing about not wanting to touch a button. I understand that. Uh, The ones we have here are pretty nice. They have the tactile arrow. A lot of the newer ones have Braille up on top, so you can tell what you're crossing, which is great. The arrow points the direction. Um, It vibrates uh, when the signal is ready to go. That's for also deaf people who are as well as blind, so that's really neat. Um, but there are some they're hard to get to, so I get that. And this, again, is a really good idea. But I'm concerned about leaving out some of our elderly population. Quick shout-out to Mr. Tw- Tim Schwartz and Mr. Sean Priest. I know you guys from an app called The Rail. Ooh, so, uh-huh. Stephen Scott, I'm sorry I don't know you. Uh, but <laughs> just thought I'd give you a quick shout-out, guys. Keep up the good work. Bye. Thank you, Randy, uh, even though we've Randy. never met. I think we have now. Um, hello. You are. You were on Varel, Stephen. You just didn't make much of an impact, it, Correct. it seems. It's one of the few places I've made any impact. Uh, yeah, that's right. I mean, it's, it's, I must admit, yeah, I, I kind of, I felt the thing with Oreo was I like it, but I'm even more confused by it now than I was then. And the problem was at that point, as I actually started using it, I was trying to use it visually, which was terrible. You oh, couldn't really use it always when you a mistake. using your eyes. Yeah, terrible, don't terrible. Do that. You know better than that. I know. Well, I know better now, that's for sure. So, yeah, maybe I'll come back on one day and annoy everybody. Um, but it got a bit weird for a while in Voreal. And, yeah, it um, still is for a right, while. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, look, uh, to your point, I think you're right. I think we've always got to be mindful of people who aren't using smart technology. How will it work for them? And, and maybe there's options for that. But I think I remember Jay talking about this and talking about a key fob, which was an option as well. So not just a smartphone app, which is one aspect of it, but also a key fob that you could use. So again, you don't have to physically touch anything, but you use your key fob, a bit, I guess a bit like a car key or a, um, yeah. an alarm key or whatever, an alarm fob, that kind of idea. Yeah, I, I feel a bit guilty, actually, because we ran out of time last week and uh, we should come back to this topic. Uh, mm. Jay was great on it. So, yeah, there is a physical key fob you can carry around with a, a button on it, I would assume, that you press to activate the the uh, the crossing when you're close to it. And more than that, you know, it, it will let you know, vibrate when you're close to it or near it, which is something that's great as well. Or just do what we do. Just don't go out of the house. There you go. Yeah, stay in your sheds, people. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Thank you, Randy, for getting in touch. And, uh, yeah, uh, Jay was talking about key to access, which is uh, available near where he stays in uh, Newfoundland in Canada. Uh, Okay, let's get to another voicemail. In fact, before we get to the voicemails, I just want to mention an email we're getting from Kamal, Kamal, I should say, sorry, uh, who got in touch with us. He was asking me about uh, the Sunu Band. Remember the Sunu Band? Um, And he asks the question, you know, so how are you getting on with the Sunu band or is it now in the mountain of tech classed as a drawer? (laughs) He Um, knows you. 
He knows me well. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's it's not well. I've not been out, frankly, to use it anywhere. So that's not been that's been one reason why I haven't really used it. Um, I did like it. I'll, I'll be honest with you. My issue with the Sunu band is that it gives you so much information. And you're trying to, I mean, bear in mind, I'm walking down the street, I've got my cane in my left hand, I've got the Suniband on my right arm, deliberately, because the vibrations on the cane would confuse me with the vibrations from the Suniband. So, uh, and plus the fact, you have to have your hand down by your side when you're wearing it, um, just like a traditional watch. Um, but you, you have your hand down by your side when you walk with it, rather than kind of being able to, you know, use your cane, which would mean your arm would be up, and therefore the sensor's not getting a chance to see what's going on around you. And you're kind of using your wrist, the front of your wrist, as a torch. Um, you know, it's swaying the, the signal back and forward to see what's in front of you, whether it be something above or directly ahead of you or to the right or to the left. So lots of information coming from it. And in some cases, for me, it was just a bit too much going on. Um, you know, I was so focused sometimes on trying to know what was in front of me based on what I was getting that I was actually walking into more things. Yeah. However... Weirdly, when I was in a, a city centre, and I've not been in one of those for a while, but when I've been in a city centre, and you're walking through people, um, and you've got someone in front of you, I was able to slow down, get a sense of how far away I was from the person, and uh, when that person moved out of the way, I was able to continue forward at a faster pace. And I'm thinking for that reason, this could be really good for social distancing. If nothing else, that could be one great use for it. If you're in front, if someone's in front of you, you will get a sense by the, by the amount of vibration you get on your arm. The closer you get, the faster and more rapid the vibrations become. So, um, yeah, I mean, check out doubletap.online. There's a full review of it on there, uh, Kamal. Have a check out from what I, what I did before. But, um, yeah, I, I thought it was good. Don't get me wrong. I think it's good, but it does give you a lot of information. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, let's go to another voicemail because we've been getting lots in. And... Um, Let's hear who we've got. Hi there. Oh, hello. Uh, my name is Glendon. I uh, was just listening to a Double Tap episode, and in the, the conversation, it occurred to me, isn't there some way that blind people could have access to a directory alphabetical listing of all apps which are definitely user-friendly for the blind? Um, that would be really, really amazing, actually. I know Apple this, uh, does this and has a listing of, of some from time to time, but to actually have a directory where we could just, uh, look up for whatever, I need a, an MP3 converter, uh, to be able to find out which of all of them that there are is, uh, the one I need to download. That would be uh, a fantastic resource. Yes, yeah, a fair point, Glendon. Uh, it is always nice to have one single place you can go to and get all that information. But like you say, and I think you might have answered some of your question, assuming you're talking only about Apple, uh, Apple Vis is a great resource for this kind of thing. And because it's user-generated content, you're getting a real uh, experience of what people are feeling about it rather than just a list of apps which don't really make any sense. Well, actually, Stephen, he did kind of answer his own question because Apple Vis 
in the search area, you can actually narrow down the search by different types of criteria. So there are checkboxes where you can say, I only want to see apps that are accessible or not just accessible, but even partially accessible that have been flagged by the, the users. You can even add a keyword to that to search for specific uh, phrases or, or words, and then even search by genre or category. So entertainment or games or you know whatever other type of app you're looking for. So Applevis actually does have some of that built in. It's It's maybe not the easiest to find, but if you go searching on their in their Apple, uh, you know, Apple App Store directory, or your iOS directory, you can actually get that specific and search for really anything that you want. Yeah, and as for a list of accessible apps on other platforms such as Windows, Mac, or Android, I don't know of any off the top of my head, but maybe you do. Uh, if you do, let us know. Feedback at ami.ca. Guys, I'd love to talk more on this, but we're out of time. We talked too much in the first half. That's the problem, you see. We just talk too much. That was Tim's fault. Tim, come on. Yeah. My fault. Like I say, whatever's on next could have waited, but clearly AMI disagrees. <laughs> so fine, we're off. We'll catch you again next time. Tim Schwartz, thank you once again from lifeafterblindness.com. Thank you for being here. Thank you. And thanks, Sean Priest. Catch you next week. Thank you. Don't forget to tune in to Double Tap TV every Tuesday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on AMI-tv. For more technology talk with Mark Aflalo and Stephen Scott. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.